Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would. Hold your Bibles up, cup your hand, whatever you need to do. Uh, Welcome to Mosaic Church OKC. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I want every one of you to know God has a plan for your life. (laughs) I'm glad so many of you are excited about that. Uh, The reason I say that is uh, God had a plan when he sent Jesus to this world to rid us of the fear, not rid us of sin, because sin still exists, but the fear that sin brought with it that there was no hope for us in the future. And so, I've been doing this series uh, on what's up, and today I'm going to talk about what's up is taking up the cross that we're called to carry. And just like Jesus from birth, there was a plan, there was a reason that you were born. There, that reason remains, it never changes. God's plan and purpose, regardless of the route that you've taken to get where you are, God's plan has never changed for your life. And that in a world that doesn't want suffering, difficulty, criticism, none of us like that. But most of us spend our whole life trying to figure out how to avoid the pain, the suffering, and the criticism uh, that goes with living life. And we spend our lives in a defensive posture trying to avoid that. And, and, and because of that, we don't see what lies ahead. We see what's around, but not what's in front of us. And the Bible says that, that Jesus set his face like a flint. In other words, I'm not going to allow what's going on around me to take from me what's going on in me and the purpose that is before me. And so you have a purpose And the problem with that purpose oftentimes is it gets clouded by all the other things going on in the world. And so when I talk about taking up our cross, it literally means, like Paul said, I die every day. Really, taking up our cross is not a burdensome thing. It's not a thing that weighs us down. As a matter of fact, when we lift up our cross, our cross will lift us. And so, really what it means is that the cross that we take up is dealing with the flesh and the things that will pull us down, and things that will keep us from our destiny, our purpose, and hold us back. And, and so, we see in, in Jesus' life, before he ever got to the cross, we saw him bearing the cross when he had opportunity to become a king and, and have a crown without the cross. They offered him. They wanted him to be. Can you imagine the burden of having this thing offered to you? And, and Jesus knows what he's about to face. He knows why he was put on earth. And, and, and all of a sudden, he, I mean, he's doing miracles. He's getting the attention of the world. Everybody's watching him. Some people loved it. People that were outcasts from religion ran to him. Religious leaders hated him. He experienced Everything that we would experience, and yet the Bible says he was without sin. 
And I believe it was because he had a focus on the cross. Now, I know this is supposed to be, sounds like an Easter message. It's really not. The cross is a message that we need to preach year-round. Because we have to die every day to the things in our lives that we really think we want, but really those things are not going to help us. And so if we will take up our cross every day and say, God, today belongs to you. Because I wake up sometimes and go, I want to hurt somebody. (laughs) Just being honest. You know, there are those days you just wake up and, and your spouse looks at you and goes, what's wrong with you? You didn't even realize you were being dumb. You didn't realize you were being short. You didn't realize you were being curt. You didn't realize you were being selfish. You didn't realize it. Why? Because selfishness comes real easy to us as human beings. It really does. Me, 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 me. I want, 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 want. You know, at Christmas time, what are you getting for Christmas? I told my wife, get me nothing. Yeah, one person loved that. The rest of y'all going, no, I want something under the tree. Show me how much you love me. No, I'm going to show you how much I love you so you don't have to go spend money. I am, I'm getting, I've, there are going to be so many thoughts about my sermon today that y'all are going to be confused. <laughs> but this just really gets on because I had a plan for my life. And, and God had a different plan. And then the devil had a plan. My mom and daddy had a plan, which was get a J-O-B and get out of the H-O-U-S-E. All kinds of plans going on. Let me read this out of the Message Bible. I really like it out of Luke chapter 9. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Hold on, Jesus. I think sometimes I know better. You don't get it because these people are stupid, and obviously you don't see it. He sees stupid before you ever do. But for some reason, he says, don't let stupid move you. Don't let somebody who's treating you a wrong way cause you to treat others a wrong way. So let me lead. Anyone who intends to come after me must has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Now, this is where it gets really quiet because everybody goes, hold on. This is, we're a faith church. Yeah, we are a faith church. We are are a, a church that believes. However... Wouldn't you agree that suffering is somewhat inevitable? If, if, you're, if you're breathing and you're looking down at the lawn, I was going to say looking down at grass, but that has a widespread meaning. And so when you're looking down at lawn, you're alive and well, and you're going to experience some challenges. The Bible says that, that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. So if Christ suffered and, and we're to be like Christ, suffering is not a bad thing if you know how to suffer redemptively. Matter of fact, suffering oftentimes is what creates growth in our lives. It, it's the old saying, no pain, no gain. If somebody's not stretching you, you're probably not getting better. If there's not somebody that you have to forgive... Oh, and every one of us right now, we're going through names. Your mind is a Rolodex. You know what I'm saying? The old school flip, 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 flip. We've all got names. We've got pictures. We've got faces. We've got images. 
This is what I'm talking about, taking up your cross. But they did me wrong. Don't you think Jesus was done wrong? Typically, people who are perfect don't get crucified. It's just a thought. I mean, imagine this. Jesus lives a perfect life, and he ends up on a cross. Now, if I'm Jesus on the cross, I'm thinking, here's my, I'm on the cross, and now I'm fixing to put you all on one. Instead, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's taking up your cross. Father, forgive them. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you, not the you that somebody else thinks you are. And I think the greater challenge is that there's a great identity crisis in our world today. That's how come we have all this going on in the world with people not knowing who they are, what they are, what do you identify as, and all these things. It's a crazy world. Now, I'm not saying people are crazy because I love all the people that are trying to figure out whether they're a cat or whatever they are. I'm just preaching relevant truth here. And I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anyone. I'm just saying my cross is learning to love an extreme population. Learning to love. Because everything in us, there are things so ridiculous that if we address the ridiculous instead of loving the person, the ridiculousness will grow. Because whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. So if I feed love, if I feed grace, I feed mercy, and I care about people, that will grow. And guess what? If you have everybody, if you like everybody in your life, you're not living the right life. Because that's easy, man. When you get around people who love you, it's easy to love people who love you. Try loving people who don't love you. Some of y'all going, yeah, I've got a house full. (laughs) If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all his splendor in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. Some who have taken their stand right here are going to see it happen, uh, see with their own eyes the kingdom of God. And obviously, Jesus was talking about him. He is representing the kingdom of God. Now, the thing that I would say in taking up your cross, identify what that is for you. Now, in a world that that appears really right a lot of times, and things are really good, and and we have a perspective. Now, here's the danger. You have one perspective. I have one perspective with regards to different encounters. And I'm going to show you a clip that really moved me uh, of of, uh, people not thinking before speaking. And a part of taking up our cross is being very careful with regards to how we treat other people. So this clip moved me. I just want you to see it. Uh, and, and I need you to come get me out of my head and be me off tonight. Tonight. 
it's just, I was real quick. You notice they're looking at him saying, you need to give this woman a seat. And yet he's crippled and nobody knows it. And so the challenge is we're really quick to judge. We're quick to accuse. We're quick. And what I'm saying, we're taking up our cross. We judge no one. We love everyone. We don't look at other people like we think they might be. We look at everybody and say, you know what? I'm praying for everybody. I'm not going to point out anybody. I'm not calling you out. That would have been an embarrassing time. And, and yet, we do this all the time without thinking. And a part of taking up our cross is saying, God, before I do anything or say anything, let me yield to you. My cross is yielding to you. And it's so important that we pause and say, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Right after I graduated from college, uh, I had my plans laid out. I had been introduced to a, 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 the large church world and I had this vision of the large church world and how effective it was in reaching a lot of different people and the programs that existed. So I had this really big mindset. You know, I'd gone four years, and, and then I'd been accepted in a master's program at Regents University in Virginia Beach. Hello, somebody. Anything, any city that has beach in it is really good. I graduate, and I think I'm going to go get smarter I'm going to go to Virginia Beach. I went to Virginia Beach. Not only did I go to Virginia Beach, but the, the dean of the master's program uh, invited me to his house. I mean, I was getting the treatment. Everything was awesome. I thought, this, my plan is working. And I thought, if this is the cross, nail me to the wall. I thought, this is great. You know, if, if you call this torture, bring it. So I thought, well, I paid my dues. I carried my cross for four years. I paid for my education, and uh, that ought to be enough. Can I tell you something? If you're not carrying a cross for your entire life, it's going to be a loss. So carry the cross. Hello, Dr. Seuss. And so we need to understand that it never stops. So I go to Virginia Beach. I'm accepted into the master's program. And while I was there, two things happened. One, I got a call from the church that I had dreamed of being on staff at, and uh, everything's just working out according to my, my plan. But in my heart, I felt, I felt like God saying no, and I went, uh, yeah. Any of you ever had that conversation with God like, you don't get it? I surely am not the only one that thinks sometimes God's really out of touch. And so I come back home, and then I get another call from a little bitty church in a little bitty town in South Texas. Now, first off, it's Texas. And we're from Oklahoma. We know that there's not a lot of love lost crossing the Red River. And so I said, but God, Regents University, mega church opportunity, and now you're telling me to go, listen to this, to a Methodist church. Folks, I'd never been in a Methodist church in my life. I came from Assembly of God where there were chandeliers and people running wild. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. If you've never been to one of those Jericho March churches, you missed it. I was a chandelier Jericho marcher. I was accustomed to wild church. And all of a sudden, this Methodist church wants me to come. I'm thinking, Methodist? 
I, I mean, I mean, they, they, they did things our church wouldn't think about doing. They literally had a fellowship hall where they had dances. I thought if you in my church, if you were dancing, it better be in the Holy Ghost. If you ain't dancing in the Holy Ghost, you go to hell. That's the only dance you can do. And man, I'm telling you, they want me. I'm I'm literally weeping at the thought of going to a small town to a Methodist church. I thought, there's no way this makes any sense at all. Hello? How many of you know that a lot of God's plans don't make sense? Our carnal mind cannot comprehend and fathom the infinite wisdom of an invisible God. So what do I end up doing? I, my flesh was dying. I called and said, okay, I'll come. Folks, I, 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 they didn't need a youth pastor. They needed youth. <laughs> Thinking, who hires a youth pastor when you need youth? What am I going to do, sit in the office all day? But it was my cross. I didn't understand it. Nobody I knew understood it. But I knew this, that in my tears, my suffering, my struggle, somewhere in there, God was using that to prepare me for what he had prepared for me. You see, sometimes your vision's not wrong, your plan's not wrong, but your timing's off. And a part of carrying our cross is realizing it's not always what, it's when, it's where, and sometimes it's why. God says, I'm preparing you. And guess what? Literally six months, well, it was nine months later, God spoke to me in prayer. And sometimes when I say God spoke, that freaks a lot of people out. And I'm using it liberally today because I want you to know I do believe God still speaks. In a world that says that's crazy, see, a part of our cross is identifying with an invisible God that people have never seen and can't see, identifying with a God who's still very much the same yesterday, today, and forever, who's never silent and always present. And when we start using words like hallelujah, boy, you want to get somebody's attention to hallelujah and do a little jerk with it. You see, a part of our cross to bear is our identifying with Christ. Why? Because what did they do to him? He went around doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil, and yet he gets crucified. So can you expect that your hallelujah, your I heard God, your I'm going to church, I believe in somebody I can't see because I've heard the stories, I've read the book, I've heard the sermons, and I believe that he exists. I believe he's real. See, we live in a world that will, will give the mental assent to the possibility that there's a God, but not really buy in and be sure and committed. A part of the cross is saying, I will not be moved. 
I shall not, I shall not be moved. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe he's alive and well. I believe he's doing miracles. I believe he's saving families. I believe he's providing. These are things that we have to do. We can't just expect everybody to go, oh, glory to God with you. You'll be called everything from hypocrite to holy roller to all these. Call me. See, a part of the cross is when we identify with Christ, we will be treated as Christ was treated. With scorn, with criticism, with, with making fun of. And these are the things that we have to realize that in today's world, when you say things like, I've heard God, and let me tell you, you need to hear God. And by me going to this place nine months later, the church that I wanted to be on staff at called me. God spoke to me the day before. He said, you're going to go back to the place you wanted to go. But what God was really looking for is, is this pie in the sky? Is this self-help? Or am I really your God? Because if he's really our God, we will do anything, go anywhere, and we will do anything. The challenge in our world today is that we've got, we feel like we have to present everything to people to reach their flesh or their humanity instead of saying, I'm going to do everything I need to do to touch heaven, and if I touch heaven and heaven touches me, the earth is going to be a better place. But we live in a world that's very appropriate religious-wise. Hearing God is taking up our cross because every day that we wake up, we have an agenda and we have a plan and things that we want to do and things we want to fulfill. Trust me, I would not be back in Oklahoma City had God not spoken to me on January 3rd of 2016, sitting in a church in Southern California, three-quarters of the way up, sitting there listening to a preacher when all of a sudden God interferes with the sermon. How rude. And he starts talking to me. Now, you can think I'm a religious fanatic if you want, but I am a fanatic. And I believe that if I will listen to God, I will end up every day in the place God wants me to end up. But it takes a discipline. It takes sometimes stopping and say, God, I want to do it this way. So that day, and I'm sitting there, and God says, what are you doing here? I'm thinking he would be happy. I'm in church. What are you doing here? I said, well, I'm listening to this gentleman preach until you came in. He said, did I tell you to leave Oklahoma City? I go, well, other people did. (laughs) I wasn't sure whose side you were on. And he said, well, until I tell you, it doesn't matter. And I said, God, you don't understand. Never tell God he doesn't understand. I'm thinking if he can create galaxies, our little finite thinking is no problem whatsoever. It's like first grade math. But we need to die every day to our own agenda, our own ways, our own everything. 
You see, the reason we, have, we like control is we think if we have control, nothing will happen that will challenge my flesh. Nothing's going to happen to me that challenges my flesh. So I'm, I'm not going to, how many of you ever said somebody, somebody says this, everybody says this, there are certain things that really make me mad. If there are one of you in here that can't say that, you probably are going to ascend to heaven right in front of us. Because every one of us in here has something. No, not something. Multitude of things. It really makes me mad when. And you could write a book finishing that. It really makes me mad when my mother-in-law comes over and tells me to clean my house or tell my kids to put on their shoes. It really makes me mad when somebody pulls out in front of me. I will always include driving <laughs> as one of my crosses. I have a driving cross. But we need to understand that it is absolutely vital that we see Jesus every day as real and as present in our lives as the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, not in physical form, but he is Jesus. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And that means he's standing in the gap for our stupidity. Always whispering in the ear of the Father, forgive them. And I think any translation, they should have forgive them for they are stupid. That's why I died. So please don't make my death for nothing. Help these people. Help them. You see, my fourth child would probably not be alive today had I not heard the voice of God. I was pretty poor. I was a youth pastor. Need I say more? And I had no insurance, and it was the spring of 1991, and I was going to have Joseph at home because I didn't have insurance, didn't have a lot of money. You see, this is where trust and cross come in. See, God is not worried about your bank account, nor should you be. If you trust God, God will always come through. I was not trusting God. I had a plan, and I thought, I'm going to be a wise steward. I broke. I had no money, and I'm going to have my baby at home. Sitting at the corner of 81st and Harvard, driving east, Tulsa, the voice of the Holy Spirit said, do not have him at home. I had even picked another name for him, and God said, and I want you to name him Joseph, James. I'm going to tell you, that's two Bible names. And even crow was in the Bible. Before the cock crows three times. So he's like trifecta holy. Joseph, James, crow. And said, do not have him at home. On June 19th, 1991. In a hotel, in a hotel, in a in a, a hospital room, he was stuck in the birth canal. The doctor said, "You better push." Not to me, but his mother. 
I was pushing, trust me. When he came out, lifeless, black and blue, and they couldn't get him to breathe for longer than normal, it looked like the end. The point being, had I not heard that, had I not given God control and followed him, my son would be dead and my ex would be dead. There was no way they were going to make it. Nobody could. This doctor was a spirit-filled Christian man. And he prayed while he was trying to get Joseph out of that birth canal. And he's alive and well today. Matter of fact, they said that he would probably not have any mobility because they thought he had cerebral palsy. They thought all of these different things. What was really funny is when he won Mr. Dance Oklahoma when he was younger. You don't think God has a sense of humor. What I'm saying is this. That every day we have this choice to take up our cross and say, God, I'm not being treated fairly. I'm not being treated right. People have wronged me in all of these things. And part of my taking of my cross in the middle of the night, I will often wake up and I will have thoughts that are not in line with God. I, and, and you you know, we all have these thoughts of people, faces, crises, things that happen to us. And, and, and the devil wants to keep us awake. He wants us to, he wants us to, to, to uh, do our own thing. And I have to remember the cross, the cross, the cross. Jesus took up the cross for me. He took up the cross to forgive me. He took up the cross to take care of me. He took up the cross to provide for me. He took up his cross. And he didn't come off. You see, this holiday season, we can look at the manger, and the manger is wonderful, it's innocent, and it's beautiful. But in that manger was a man destined for the cross. That was his destiny. And oftentimes, we look to our own strength, our own wisdom, other people's counsel, other people's opinions, and I would suggest to you that you be very cautious about the voices that you hear because those will be the choices you make. When somebody says you deserve to be angry, you deserve to this, you deserve that, all I can say is I deserved death and I deserved hell, but Jesus came and took up a cross so that I could be forgiven. You may not get what you want for Christmas. You may not be around the people you want at Christmas. But as long as he is there in his presence, is fullness of joy. So some of you may be feeling down, and this time of year it's very difficult. It's very challenging. Many people are depressed while other people are excited. Some people are celebrating. Some people have nothing to celebrate, they think. But what I have discovered is it's never what's under the tree. It's about the one who was on the tree that took care of it all. The greatest gift ever given was given 2,000 years ago. And so as we come to this, this time, this end of the year, this scripture I love, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted 
but what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now notice this, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Paul had a great revelation that what he was experiencing had a purpose that would keep him focused on Jesus. Now, this has always been a debatable scripture. How can a You notice it says a messenger of Satan, not from God. But he goes on to say, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, we live in a world that honors strength and courage and greatness. But Christianity, to me, is about only one person being great, and that's him. And that if we'll trust in that greatness, a part of our cross is saying, you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed or embarrassed by my weakness or by my sufferings. Whatever I'm going through is going to make me a better person. Whatever you're challenged by, whatever you're experiencing, and I'm not preaching a doctrine of suffering here, but I am saying this, that God knew 33 years after what we call Christmas, what we celebrate, that his son would be taken to the cross. Whatever it is you're going through will have an ultimately great outcome as long as we keep our focus on his purpose. When I came back to Oklahoma City, everything in me said this will never work. (laughs) It will never work. God, how could you send me back to a place? And then not only that, three miles from the place where I built the first church. I was like, oh, Jesus. Literally, oh, Jesus. Concerned about what that might look like, and all of a sudden God said, would you stop being concerned about what things look like and just obey me? Just obey me. And now I share another very embarrassing moment with you, that after going through the pandemic, everything's going great, pandemic hits, and, and again, this great challenge of God, he said, take up my cross. In other words, take up trust and faith in me. And then afterwards, I kind of had a a lull thinking, God, well, you know, I love the people. I love that we're here. But then I felt like God saying, I want to grow the church. I really wasn't that interested, to be honest with you, because I'd grown a church, and I was just glad y'all are here. (laughs) You know, I was like, God, people showed up. And he said, since when have you ever bowed your knee to the past? You bow your knee to me. I'm your future. And so I, when I first started the first church, I, would, I was desperate. And I, I don't think there's enough. I, that, my goal in 2023 is to experience greater desperation. I know that doesn't sound really, let me try to explain it. I want to be more desperate for God than I have been in the last 10 years. I want to be so desperate that every breath I take, I look to God and say, God, I can't breathe without you. I can't live without you. May I experience the very same desperation I experienced in 1994 with four kids in tow and $6,000 in my pocket and no, no one. Now, let me tell you, that's desperation. God, at least feed my kids. But in that desperation, I leaned on God. I 
pressed into God. I put everything on God. And thank you. And that's where I'm at today, saying, God, make me desperate again to build a church that will reflect your glory and that you would take a fallen fragment of a human being and that you would build your kingdom, your church, in spite of what the world says and what I did. I know what you did to take care of what I did. And you did it so I could stand here on this stage and talk to you about the grace and mercy of God. It's a fight, folks. You're not going to get up every day and, and just drink happy juice. And all of a sudden, the day's great. The two Red Bulls, this is not my happy juice. I just like the taste. And it's only about half full. And that one hasn't been opened. So some of y'all are going to say, he's going to die. Well, aren't you a prophet? This is just because I like to taste. Some of y'all will go eat fried chicken. Nobody will say anything to you at lunch. So quit judging my Red Bull. It's funny how people pick things that are so, oh, you shouldn't do that. You ain't the Holy Ghost. But... Here we are, and my embarrassing moment is God, a, a few weeks back, or maybe even a month or so, he said, I want you to start believing me like you did in the past for people to come to Mosaic from every point on the compass. I want you to call people in from the north, south, east, and west, what Isaiah said, from every point, call them in. I had quit calling people in. I didn't feel worthy to call people in. I just felt fortunate that God brought you and gave us a building. And, and it's like, hold it. That's exactly what the devil wants you to believe is the minimum. I'm believing for the maximum. I'm desperate to see God do something that will rattle this city and shake people's lives. The people who said, bury him, he's done. Jesus said, I was raised so he could be raised. He's not done. Every day's a new day. It's a new beginning. He's going to do new things. Quit believing for the minimum. God, if you could just pay my electric bill. God, if you could just help me pay 10 other people's electric bill. So I'm believing for over 1,000 people in attendance every Sunday, and then we'll jump to the next level. Say, why would you do that? Because that's what Jesus wants. The more people that come in, the more people we can help. See, a lot of churches just glad the doors are open. A lot of preachers just glad they have a platform. I don't care. What I care about is I know we have a message in this house that can transform marriages, lives, hearts, the dead, the dead in heart, the dead in mind, the dead in dreams. So I challenge you, get up and say, God, today I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. You can see that's a cross, but it's a cross that lives. When you do it your way, it's when you get pressed down. When I do it my way, it's when things get heavy. I challenge us. Get up and start every day with these words. God, I'm desperate for you today. I am desperate for you today. I am desperate for you today. 
whatever you want me to do. If it's stand on my head outside a grocery store by a vending machine, done. Now, you may go to jail. <laughs> but there'll be a reason you go. Somebody in there needs to hear the gospel. Jesse can't reach them all. He's trying. Some of y'all need to go to prison with him. That'll change your life forever, trust me. You'll see things in there that you never dreamed of seeing and hear things you've never heard in your life. But again, we've been bought with a price. This holiday season, don't look and get upset that somebody didn't get you what you wanted or somebody's not appreciative that you got them what they wanted, but they're still not thankful you see, sometimes we want people to be so thankful and come and tell us they're real grateful. But, you know, if you give somebody something, that's the gift in and of itself. That you died to self, that you said somebody else is important. Be that person today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your patience with us, your grace. And, Lord, I thank you that in our weakness we find your strength. In our surrender and our submission, we find your destiny and your plan. So, God, today I pray that we would stop when we feel that we're doing something our way, when we're so set on it being our way. That may not be a good thing. So, Lord, I pray that we would stop and, and surrender to you, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll never stop bowing. We'll never stop carrying, stop carrying that cross, God. To crucify the flesh, to do what Paul said, die every day to the things in our lives that, that are either self-destructive or just not productive. Help us, Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want us all to pray this prayer. And those of you watching online, very important. I remember the day I prayed to give my life to Jesus Christ. It's July 17th, many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm stopped giving the year. It uh, gives me away. Anyway, I want all of you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you would give your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare I've been bought with a price. I belong to you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to take a moment and just text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. It's very important that you just make that statement. It's not about in front of me or anybody else, but don't be embarrassed. That's what it said. Don't be embarrassed or he'll be embarrassed of you. So be willing to say, I'm making a statement today that I am born again and I made that commitment to Christ. So text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Okay? At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And I want to thank all of you that contributed to the Christmas giveaway, the angel tree, and uh, to be a blessing uh, to some people that, that uh, we love dearly, the elderly, the shut-ins that, that uh, oftentimes spend Christmas all alone. Um, fortunately, Grand Grands is a spirit-filled, godly place, and I'm telling you, I've been in there, I, you just feel the presence of God. And it's a wonderful place, and, and your contribution to these precious people, I promise you uh, that, that God looks upon it, and I want to thank you for that. Um, if you want to give today, um, you can 
put your smartphone on the QR code behind me, and uh, it will text you to the platform to give. Or you can text the word give to 405-546-2226, or you can give online, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. Uh, I guess it's mosaicokc.jeff forward slash slash give. That's it. I was right. Or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73121 or 132. I'm having real problems with that here in a minute. This must be a cross deal. (laughs) Or you can give on your way out, whatever the case may be. I want to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. And uh, I want to remind you, this coming Saturday night, we'll have a Christmas Eve candlelight and communion service. Bring your family. Come. It's just be an hour, five to six. And then we'll have online church only on Sunday morning. So those of you that say, you know, I'm going to get up. We'll watch church on Sunday morning. We'll be running it Sunday morning. And uh, we want you to get up and watch that. But, you know, years ago, I would have never done this. But I started thinking, am I in competition as a church with families? I want your family to celebrate Jesus. And uh, so we'll, we'll do this Saturday night. And then on New Year's Day, we'll have only 11 o'clock for all of you people that, how do I say it, maybe a little over something. (laughs) I know it would be here at 11 o'clock. But anyway, we'll we'll do one service that day, and uh, then we'll resume our normal 9.30 and 11 schedule uh, on uh, the 8th of January. But Really make an intentional effort. Start your new year at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, January 1st. And don't... Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.